Randolph Shepherd Podcast, promoting blind entrepreneurship and independence. And now here's the dynamic duo, Nikki Gaikos and Terry Smith. Welcome everyone to the We Are Randolph Shepherd episode 16. And again, as we always start, we need to thank our sponsors, the National Association of Blind Merchants, Coca-Cola, PepsiCo, Sodexo, You Selected, Southern Food, Tyler Technologies, Anderson Food Services, and translucent. Terry, how are you? I'm doing great, Nikki. Great to be back again. And um, um, I always enjoy getting together and doing this. You know, I, I'm always I'm always surprised. Uh, you and I were both in Atlanta for the NAMA conference, and we'll be talking about NAMA uh, quite a bit in a few minutes. But I was surprised at how many people came up to both of us and 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 commented about the uh, the podcast or reacted to something that we had said, or even asked to be on the podcast. It, I, I sort of got a kick out of it, of how many people would like to be a guest on this podcast. So we had, we have lots of volunteers of people who would, uh, who would like to be on this podcast. So I think that's sort of interesting and sort of, sort of, sort of funny in a way. And if you think the other thing, Terry, the thing that was great was that the numbers they told me at the uh, NAMA board meeting the next day that we had 165 people register under BLAST 23 for the um, NAMA conference this year in Atlanta. And I think that's great. I mean, we had people all from all over the country come and support us and support our training that we did on Tuesday and also you know, join in, in the convenience services, the NAMA show to see so many new interesting things. So. That's just great that we're getting out again and, and participating and being part of the training. And again, yeah, they, you know, they made a little bit of fun of your predictions of sports, but um, and stuff. I think they, I think they got on my back too a little bit about that. But it's just great to see people again as we move forward. Exactly, I, and and we, you know, I did get a little bit of reaction. Some people commented about the uh, top ten SLAs that we announced last episode, and. Um, I, you know, the biggest reaction I got wasn't, uh, I was expecting people to say, well, where did we fall? Where did we fall? Um, that, but that wasn't the question I got. And, and, and with no offense to our friends in Arizona, people, they, the, the question I got most often is Arizona number two. And how did that happen? And I, you know, I just say, well, it's just the metrics. That's the way it works out. So it's sort of a well, I guess, kept secret that uh, how how well Arizona has been doing or was doing pre-pandemic. So I uh, got a kick out of that. But uh, and Nikki, you mentioned you know the training. We, there's a lot happening coming up over the next few months that you and NABM are going to be involved in. You want to hit some of the highlights of what's coming up? Sure. So. Um... Coming off of that, our next training will be June 14th to the 16th at Blast Field of Dreams in Des Moines, Iowa. And it's not too late to make reservations uh, to come to that. Uh, I can't believe the numbers we have there. I think we're up in the 70s for that already, which would be great. Always a great time to be hosted by USI. And uh, we have people from Cantaloupe to talk about accessibility and to go to the Iowa Commission for the Blind. That's great. We have national convention on July the 3rd. Um, convention is the 1st to the 6th. Our merchants meeting will be on Monday the 3rd. We hope to see people in Houston. 
uh, the NAMA fly-in coming up in June. Um, also, then the emerging leaders that we're going to do right before the Tennessee meeting in early September. Of course, then we have Blast on the boardwalk, and then Coffee, Tea, and Water, which is in one of my favorite towns in the country, Indianapolis, Indiana, in early uh, November. And also, don't forget ACE, the Atlantic Coast Exposition, which is in October in um, South Carolina, in Myrtle Beach. And also the convenience store show, which is in early October back in Atlanta, Georgia. So a lot coming up. And Terry, I think both our schedules are full with visiting, uh, start to go back to state conferences again and, and, and biannual and annual. Yeah, we've got a lot of state conferences uh, coming up. I know so far, I mean, I was in South Carolina recently. You were in Ohio recently. Um, we've got several coming up um, o- over the next few months. And uh, so getting back out there, and I'm, I'm, I'm so happy people are are back meeting in person. Want to? I do want to comment on um, you know a couple of things. The emerging leaders training you mentioned, folks need to be looking for that announcement uh, to come out. Um, uh, it, it, in fact, it should be out by the time this podcast drops. So we encourage you to apply to be, be to be one of the emerging leaders. We only take about twelve to fifteen in that class. So uh, please uh, please consider being part of our. The emerging leaders, uh, you know, training program. And, and Nikki, you mentioned the ACE conference every year. You and I talk about going to see, going to that conference, and then something always comes up, and we haven't been. So maybe this is a year one or both of us make it to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, for for that show. It'd be great to be. And Terry, one other thing about the podcast, the reaction that I got, which I thought was great, was that people really enjoyed getting to know Jesse Hartle, not as the RSA person the man that we kid around with his dancing shoes and everything, but really to get the philosophy of, of blindness and uh, the type of person that he is being a father and a husband and so many things. So I thought that that was great and kudos to Jesse. And I guess that's why so many people want to get on this podcast because they're getting to know people like they're getting to know you and I, and they got to know D Jones and Jesse. And of course, you know, with the first one with Jim Gashville about the history going back to our early podcast. But I just want to thank Jesse again for doing that and doing such a great job to let people know about the real Jesse Hartle. So every month we do the What's Up section, and it's where you have. So, Terry, you know, this is coming up on my favorite time of the year, the summer. Uh, Hopefully, you know, heading down on Memorial Day weekend to spend some time at the beach. Also do some time at the cemetery to see uh, my mother and father who are veterans. I want to thank all the veterans that served and, and gave their lives for this great country. Um, being Memorial Day, you know, a lot of people forget what the holidays are about. Um, also, Terry, you know that we said we're traveling again, and um, which is great. So I have a question for you now. Now we're starting to get back on the road, and we're going to some of our favorite cities. What are your five top restaurants that we've visited over this years that we've been traveling together and doing this? Do you have five top restaurants? Wow, I wish you I wish you prepared me for this one. So uh, well, you now, now... Read, read your emails at the bus engine. <laughs> oh, did you send me an email? You must have sent it late today. <laughs> uh, so, okay. Well, give me, so give I, me two. Give me two and we'll do it next time. Oh, I can do I can do more than two because uh, Albert A's in Dallas, St. Elmo's in Indianapolis, and um, was it Charlie's in Orlando? Was it Charlie's? Was that the name of it? Yeah, Charlie's where we had that pork chop and steak, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, was, that, that ranked up there. Jack Ruby's in uh, Jeff Ruby's in uh, uh, in Nashville, and then the wild card in all of those those would would probably be 
Rocco Taco in Orlando. Uh, matter of fact, when that was the only restaurant I took my family to when we were down there, when we were when we were on on vacation, I said, well, "We did, we have to go to Rocco Taco," and and that's one of those places you found when we were down there. I think I think you walked in and asked the concierge if 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 Shaq was here today, where would he be eating? And they and they told you he would be at Rocco Tacos, and we've been going ever since. Well, it turns out that the concierge was actually Shaq's sister at the hotel, the Rosen the Rosen uh, Shingle Creek. And that's why we said, well, where would he eat? And she said, we'll go to his restaurant. And she told us about that. And you know, it's funny if you, if you think, and, and, and so Albert A's in Dallas is, is on my list. Uh, St. Elmo's definitely on my list. One of my favorites, Charlie's, of course, Jeff Ruby's in Nashville. Um, and of course, um, most of those restaurants, Charlie's, St. Elmo's and Rocco's Tacos, which I love too, all came from national conventions. So we got something to look forward to in Houston this year, finding a good restaurant to maybe make that list. Um, one of my favorites too that you haven't been to, but is is Boa's Steakhouse in Santa Monica, California. Um, when we were out there last year looking at colleges for Jasmine, we went there. We just all love that. And I thought you were going to say Capitol Grill because of uh, the free meal that you got out of there, or <laughs> Mickey Mantle's where you sniffed the waiter or something. But that's okay. Um, but we'll that's talk about a, that. But that's another story. Go ahead. That's another story for another time. But but you're but you're right. But the good thing is. Four out of the five are my favorites too, and actually five out of five. It's good that, that so that we are two partners. When people talk about it, it's because our five top restaurants are five, and again, four of those came from national convention, which is a great thing. So the What's funny thing about it, I, I have to, I have to tell people before 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 I get into my WhatsApp because <laughs> we're going to take some time. But this is a, this is a funny funny when uh, Albert A's in, in in Dallas, and so 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 Nikki and I are in Dallas, and and, and this is when. First started working with Nikki, and I didn't know Nikki very well. And so we're in Dallas together at the Dallas annual annual conference. It's the weekend of the Texas Oklahoma football game, and he says, "I want to take you to Albert A. Steakhouse." And he said, and he starts telling me all about this steakhouse. And I'm saying, it's the weekend of the Oklahoma Texas football game. Uh, there's no way we're going to get in. He said, "Oh yeah, yeah, they know me over there." Now, here's this guy from Jersey, and he's telling me these guys in Dallas know who he is. And I'm going, oh, God, here we go. And um, and so he says, I said, how do they know you? He said, trust me, they know me. And uh, so he calls me a few minutes later. And he says, I got reservations at whatever time it was. And so we jump in a taxi uh, and we go over to this restaurant and we walk in the door. And to get to the restaurant part, you have to walk through the bar. And it's probably about 40 feet, I would guess, from the front door through the bar to the uh, concierge or the uh, maitre d's desk. And as, when the door opens to, from the outside, before we get in and the door closes, I hear this man yell, Mr. Gakos, Mr. Gakos, it's so good to have you here. And he runs up to us and I'm in shock. I'm totally in shock as this guy runs up to Nikki and grabs his hand and shakes his hand, takes us over to the waiter. He said, I got a very special table for you. And he tells the, the, the waiter that this is a very special VIP. Take care of him. And I'm in total shock. You know, like I said, I didn't know Nikki hardly at all at that point. And I'm saying, who is this guy that I'm traveling with? You know, because, you know, from, from the, uh, the the mafia guy himself, you know, that, that that he just walks in a restaurant in Dallas, Texas, and everybody knows who he is, a guy from Jersey. Uh, 
but it was one of the best meals that, that, that I've ever had. And come to find out, you know, the NFB had had their convention there for several years and Nikki had taken large groups of people over there and they appreciated his referrals and they treated us like we were true VIPs. And it was, and like I said, it was an amazing meal and that shrimp appetizer was, was to die for. Shrimp tempura still could taste it now. <laughs> So hey, Jerry, what's going on with the Blitz? A lot of people asking about the Blitz. What's going on with the Blitz? Well, you know, the Blitz is one of those things that's it, it takes a lot of time to 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 prepare that thing and get it right and proof it and proof it and proof it. Uh, and everything else going on, it just, it, you know, it, it seems to keep getting pushed back. So, you know, we've made the decision that we're going to sort of change things up and we're going to make the Blitz part of the podcast. So starting next month, the uh, we will do a oral blitz, which will be part, which will make up the podcast. So, in other words, every third month now, every once a quarter, the blitz will be the podcast, and we will just update you on everything going on, Randolph Shepard. So uh, we hope that that uh, works for everybody, and uh, so we can. Um, we're going to see how that works. If it doesn't work, then we'll go back to the print print version of it and send it out electronically to everybody. But we're going to try this a few times and see how it works so that uh, people get used to it. And, uh, you know, if they like it, we'll continue. And if they don't, uh, we won't. And so uh, sort of looking forward to, to, to seeing how, seeing how that works. Cause the, the, you know, the, that's one of the questions that I get more than anything else is when's the blitz coming out? When's the blitz coming out? So uh, we're um, we're, going, we're we're going to give it a try and see see how it works out. Perfect. I think that's a great idea, and we'll look forward to it next month coming out because there's a lot, a lot has happened, a lot going on. So, Nikki, uh, we're going to talk this session you know, about NAMA, the National Automatic Merchandising Association. Mentioned earlier that we were um, in Atlanta for the NAMA show. We've been to several of those, and uh, uh, you know. The 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 it the role that the blind vendors play in NAMA has certainly grown. You mentioned it by the number of people that we had attending, 165 people who used our our promotion code, meaning blind vendors, SLA people, and um, uh, other other Randolph Shepherd stakeholders. So you know that was amazing, but um, um, you know it was it, it it was it was a great a great event. And before we go any further, I want to um, congratulate you, Nikki, on being elected to the board of directors for NAMA. This is your second term. You served a few years ago. Uh, and so they thought enough of you. They're bringing you back for, a, for, for another go around. And I want to congratulate you. And it just speaks volumes to how the industry today views blind vendors in general and how they view the National Association of Blind Merchants, in particular, uh, with the um, with, with this election to the board. So, congratulations. Well, thank you, Terry. And you know, I, I did serve a six-year term, and then I had to sit off for three years, which went very fast, um, especially during COVID. Um, and you know, right before the day that you had to apply, I got a few phone calls from some people in the industry and said, "Hey, you haven't applied. And, you know, you can reapply." And, yeah, but I, I don't know if I could, you know, give the commitment for three years to do that. And they said, well, we really need you in the industry. So I applied that day, um, 
got accepted to the interview, which was was was, was a tough interview, and uh, got word a few days later from that that uh, that I had been uh, named again, and uh, said I really impressed them with their interview, and um, I think it's the same thing too that you know. I think things might have been different if COVID never came and, and Randall Shepard was in good shape, and, you know, but the fact that so many people had to work and we're changing Randall Shepard and we're doing a, a number of new things to try to get creative and change things is, is something that's keeping me going. And I, I think NAMA needs that too in the industry um, that we need to, you know, draw on membership, get more blind people involved because, you know, as cafeterias close and they're becoming micro markets and, and, and vending, that's our priority and we need to expand on that and we need to do that. And so it, it's, it's going to be an exciting three years to, you know, to be part of this, of, of NAMA and also as president of the blind merchants and doing this podcast, keep people informed and get people excited about change and change is always sometimes scary and sometimes dangerous, but also exciting. And so it's an exciting time for me and thank you for, uh, acknowledging the fact that um, I'm back on the board of NAMA. Thank you. Well, I think, again, I think it just goes, I, I, I remember when when we would weren't that welcomed at, at NAMA and you had a handful of blind people that would show up it wasn't the event that it that that it is today from the from a Randolph Shepherd perspective and um, you know the private sector vending companies had issues with us uh, NAMA you know, had issues with us and it is, it is, and, and we had issues with them. Okay. So uh, it, it was not a great, a great relationship, but that that's all turned around and uh, you know, they see the value of what we bring to the table. And you look at it from the, the if, whether you're manu, whether you're a, a distributor of products, you got our blind vendors buying products, whether you're ma making manufacturing machines, you got our, our SLAs buying machines, whether you're selling a service, we got our SLAs and vendors buying services. So we're, we're, we're big players in the industry today and NAMA and others recognize that. And so it, it, we, we, we've come a long way to the point that it's a partnership when there's an issue and, and you can speak to this better than I can because you're more involved in this, but when an issue comes up in a state vending issue especially a legislative issue who does nama call they call nikki gekos and they say hey we got this issue in this state and nikki gets on the phone with that state gets the blind vendors uh, active and engaged and uh, we we can use our political influence uh, for not just things that affect blind vendors but affect the vending industry in general you know it's funny that you say that because the first nama we ever went to was in Atlanta. And I remember hearing comments uh, of people, what are they doing here? Jumping out of the way with our canes as we we're walking down the aisle. And, and, and like, they did not want us there. You know, they were mad that we started exercising our priority on rest areas and post offices and, and you know, and stuff. But the, the companies that partnered with us and said, you know what? We're not going to be mad at these guys. We're going to partner with them. have been very successful. And if you look at our, just our sponsors of this podcast with Sodexo, with You Selected, with um, Coca-Cola and Pepsi-Cola, uh, you know, that, that they realize that, hey, they are a great customer and they're part of this and let's do that. And the fact that a number of us have gotten on local NAMA boards um, throughout the country and being part of that, you know, the California just had their day on the hill. We had a number of blind vendors that went up and were, went on the hill to do that. Um, it's become, a, a, you know, the fact that we're going to USI next month for June 14th and 16th 
to, to be hosted by, you know, the, the Chico family and, and USI. It just shows that, that we've grown so much and the companies that want to partner with us, same thing with accessibility. When we first brought up, you know, you have to make that accessible. Oh, it was like a curse word. Now we're getting calls from companies. Hey, we need, we're, we're making a new machine. Can you work with us to make this accessible? And it, that was a buzz all around Nano was accessibility and people are really getting into it. So uh, I want to thank, you know, the 165 that were there, the other 1300 blind vendors that take, took part, that, you know, part of the Randall Shepherd program because it's, it's, it's a team effort and we need to get, get more involved with this and make sure that, you know, uh, you know, the, the training that we did on that Tuesday, the first person we had was the government affairs person of NAMA. And after that was uh, Joel Timmons. I'll let you talk about him with his dress code that he had. But, um, you know, right after he spoke about the healthy vending, Robert and I met with him outside to talk about uh, solutions that we could come up with. And right away, there was the blind and NAMA government affairs talking to CDC about solutions for the healthy vending uh you know, talk about the 75% and how it could work and how we can get around it, how we can make it work for people. So that's, that was my, one of my big takeaways right from the first two speakers that we had at the training on the Tuesday at NAMA. Well, I'm not going to throw Joe under the bus for wearing pajamas to our training, but that, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, anyway, let, let's talk about the show. It, it seemed like that, uh, you know, this was, uh, things were, pretty much back to normal the first the biggest show since the pandemic and the, and the reaction seemed to be pretty favorable in terms of the turnout and the interaction and the, the, the you know I, I know there's still not as many people there as they would like to have but you know for people who've never been they have there, there's the latest and greatest there and 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 some of what's going to be coming down the pike is there you, you see some uh, prototypes of different types of equipment Nikki, what was there anything that jumped out at you? Uh, what 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 caught your interest? I think the innovation of the technology of a lot of um, machinery that, like robot robotics, if you want to call it that, or you know, hot food options uh, through vending. Uh, to um, you know, we we always talked about just baked and a few other companies, but it seemed that there was a number more of. Of, of innovation there this year with technology um, of machines that cook food. Of course, that's one thing that people always ask, you know, when cafeterias close, what do you have? I mean, a hot dog machine, the pizza machine, the coffee machine, um, you know, it was a $150,000 coffee, coffee machine, which I thought was, was doable because uh, of, of the barista and the coffee, which tasted great. The Nestle coffee machine, the innovation. Um, I think that's what got me more than anything was the innovation and the way we're going um, towards robotics and um, you know non-labor uh, machinery that can help people out with labor and stuff. I think that's the thing that really got me because every corner you turned around was you know a different machine and you know can we show you this? Can you talk to us? How would this work? How can you do this? So I think it was the innovation uh, and of course the camaraderie and and stuff of, of just seeing people on the floor. You know, like I said, you got walking to somewhere you wanted to see and somebody grabbed you. And actually, you know, you're talking to somebody and you miss where you wanted to go and all that type of stuff. But that's great. That's part of the dynamic thing. And I hope that uh, we'll get a word out next year for the show. But the innovation, what, what got you, Terry? Well, first of all, I, got, I have to tell on myself, okay? 
uh, and, and you remember when, when we were at the Vistar show in September, Uptime was there. And Uptime is my favorite drink. And if you, if, if our vendors don't sell it, they need to sell it. Um, and uh, I, I, I stopped at the Uptime booth in, in, in Atlanta and introduced myself to the guys, told them I was their biggest fan, their biggest salesman. And then I see Yvonne and Patty from New York and um, they've got their Uptime. They said, I got them hooked when we were at uh, Atlantic City. Saw some other folks who were drinking uptime because I had I had told them about it and I kept taking people over to uptime to the uptime thing and I got to meet the vice president of the company Travis Wilkerson and he gave me a case of uptimes when I when I got ready to leave to pay me so uh, uh, I, I I told him I was going to plug it on our podcast and but you know I I think he needs to ship me a case a month and I, and I'll, they're not a sponsor but I think uh, he he needs to ship me a, a case of uptime every month because I'm such a a, a big fan of that drink so everybody needs to check check that drink out but uh, but as far as what i saw was the innovations um was the um you know i i, I thought there were two things and you mentioned the technology so I'll, I'll 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 stay away from that but i think the machines that 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 are will cook for you i think i think they are trying to get to that point to where that there you can legitimately get hot food out of a vending machine and you know some of our old timers remember the old hot canned food machines you know that's not what we're talking about here we're talking about machines that will actually cook the food for you uh we had the hot dog machine uh and it cooks hot dogs and you have like four different kinds of uh hot dog you can get and it was outstanding i mean it was really really good the price point wasn't crazy high um and you know i could see a lot of potential places where something like that would work college campuses or or where you have folks working at night or where even even a high traffic area in the daytime where people are looking for lunches you know and there were there were other machines the just bake machine that gives you a selection of different meals that you can choose from so you know I'm, i i think you're seeing the vending industry go more toward that direction so that people can get hot hot meals and I, I think that's something exciting for us i guess the biggest thing that, that impressed me was the self-serve markets uh, the amazon to go concept if people know what i'm talking about they had one set up there and it was actually a french company that had this one set up and you walk in there's a uh, a gate you walk in you scan your your app it's all app based you scan your app and uh, you walk through the gate and you just pick up what you want anywhere in the store you pick it up you walk out and it charges you for it and uh, uh it is so intelligent that if you pick something up it puts it on your app if you put it back it takes it off but if you put it in the wrong place it still uh takes it off um and uh it will say if you put it back in the wrong place it'll say you put that back in the wrong place and you can just tap ignore and go and, and leave it in the wrong place and it still won't charge you. And and the price point for that, I mean, basically you're talking about a turnkey vending facility. Everything is there, you know, the, the, the kiosk, the gate, the shelving, everything. Uh, and, uh, you know, you're talking about $100,000 to do that. I, I thought that was very, very reasonable for, because we spend more than that on a lot of vending facilities. And if you can go in and, 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 it puts something like that in, you know, on a college campus again, or or some of those uh, situation places like that. 
it, it could really offer a lot of potential. And I was thinking, man, if we had been successful in getting that innovation money where state agencies would have that kind of money available that they could go out and do things like that, you know, we could, we could do some of that stuff. We could buy some of those machines. So I know that you and I are committed to revisiting that for next year. And so maybe we can, uh, uh, we can make something happen, but that that was the thing that impressed me the most was that was that Amazon to go kind of market, and I think the prices are going to continue to come down. I thought there was also I thought a real international flavor to this year this year's conference. I thought you know you had that company from France, a company from Ukraine, a company from Israel, or uh, and and so that was that that was interesting that they were over here uh, selling, selling, selling their products and sell and, 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 and their innovations, but, uh, a lot of good things there that, uh, uh, offer a lot of promise for, for Randolph Shepard. And, uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to see where, where we go. We just have to have state agencies and vendors that are willing to change. And you mentioned that earlier and, and are willing to look at things differently and take some chances and, and try some new things. And if, if we're willing to do that, there's some opportunities out there for us. Yeah, and I agree. And, and you know, to see uh, Joffre Mer, their, their machines were there and they've been to anything up to 24 inches, a, a loaf of bread, an umbrella, a gallon of milk, two liters, because, you know, one thing we heard at a training, which, you know, I had brought up that micro markets, you start to see, especially not in, 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 in private sector, that the uh, theft is up to 20%. And it was even brought up that it's higher. Some they're seeing some as high as 25%. So these smart refrigerators that are were all over the place too, same type of concept where you put your credit card in, take something out, look at it, put it back. It doesn't charge you. If you take it, it charges you. Those smart refrigerators are becoming huge. Uh, the farmer's fridge is a great concept for many of our vendors. I know some are starting to use it. Uh, where they bring in fresh food and salads and um you know and you can do it by app and those lockers are becoming very popular which usi had and john from had where you can sell anything like a backpack or a sweatshirt or different things like that or you can put a meal there somebody can come up and put a, a code and they can come back to get it when it's ready and there's a meal there for them or they're you know if it's a college their parents or the boyfriend or girlfriend can put the code in for them and when they go up to come back from class, they can get it and there's a, a, a meal for them or a snack for them. So I just think that it's just going to get better and better. And I guess I got to take some lessons in technology because I think that's the future too. So very excited. Gary, we had a number of people there. Um, I know that we've talked to a few of them. Let's hear what they have to say. Okay, let's do that. And first up, we have the vice president of the National Association of Blind Merchants who was there, Michael Colburn from Minnesota. Hey, Mike, great to have you on here today. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Terry? Uh, doing great, doing great. So now, how many um, uh, NAMAs have you been to now, how, shows? Atlanta was the third one. Um, Nikki invited me out to Las Vegas uh, back right before COVID, and then I attended Chicago last year and and then Atlanta this year. Great. So um, you're, you're not a, a newbie to it. What, what was your thoughts about this year's show? Uh, I mean, the show... I mean, just sort of the enormity of it. I mean, it's always amazing, these huge conference centers, you know, the the Vegas Convention Center and McCormick Place, and then now the Georgia World Congress Center. I mean, you, you know, you could literally drive a semi down the hallway, you know, and it's just, it's crazy to me just how big they are and just kind of what a big, a big to-do it is. So did you see anything while you're there that got you excited? Any ideas you wanted to take back to Minnesota or that you thought was good for... Uh... 
uh, maybe the future of Randolph Shepard? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting every year to kind of see what some of the trends are. Like this year, I noticed that there's a lot of oats, a lot of oat milk, a lot of oatmeal, a lot of oat bars, a lot of energy drinks, a lot of water, a lot of cold brew. So it's interesting to see some of those trends that, um, you know, to just kind of keep up with them. I, I think some of the, the, the machines that sort of produce the hot food, like, and, and even the ice cream machine, but I, I came across a hot dog machine this year that was really interesting. And it's, I think those are great options as far as, you know, they're not snack bars or, or cafeterias, but you could probably serve some needs with some of those types of machines. And the hot dog one was interesting because it took a immigrant from the Ukraine to come up with probably the most American, you know, hot dogs, apple pie, Chevrolet <laughs> kind of a thing. Yeah, that, that is ironic. So, but that was interesting. And, and also some of the lockers, like a lot of the vending companies are having these sort of the bigger machines that you can sell a lot more things than traditionally that maybe we think of, you know, one guy was telling me they sell firewood and backpacks and car batteries and tools. And, you know, they're just, just some of those things that are a little outside of the norm of maybe what we do, I thought were interesting. And being on a college campus, I've, I've sort of been thinking about how to utilize one of those, like a locker setup that maybe students could order something ahead of time and I could deliver it to that locker and they could come get it at their convenience. So those are a couple of the things I was, I was looking at, but the hot food, especially, and, and a trend towards some healthier stuff with all of the bars and the energy bars and the protein bars and all those sorts of things. I, I don't think I've ever seen so many bars in one place. And I brought a bunch home with me and I'm still, still testing them, but uh, a lot of different kinds of bars. And you mentioned the energy drinks, so many different energy drinks that are uh, out there on the market now. So I agree with you. And, uh, um, but um, so from a blind vendor standpoint, you know, I know we had a good turnout at this one, um, but if, if someone who's never been has asked you, you know, what's in it for them, why should they go? What would you tell them? Well, I, I think it was fantastic this year. We had a, we had a pre convention meeting on the Tuesday prior to the show. And I know at once, I mean, we must've had a, over 120 people in and out of the room at, at all time or sort of separate times. And there was a whole bunch of uh, some, you know, companies that got to get up, get up in front of our group. And I, 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 one time I had mentioned it was sort of like speed dating. We sort of gave them five to 10 minutes to, to hit a few points. Uh, the vendors got to ask some questions, but you know, they got to say their booth number, where they were at, what they were up to. And, uh, you know, we just encourage folks to sort of start making a game plan before you, before you approach. But also I think it's important because I wasn't around, you know, 15 years ago or so when maybe blind vendors were maybe didn't feel as welcome. And even in my three years, what's interesting is, you know, I'm starting to recognize people and people are starting to recognize me. They've seen me at NAMA. They've seen me up in Atlantic city at the Vistar, uh, the show up there, the, the, the Northeast buying show. Um, so, you know, you're starting to, I starting to see a lot of the same faces. And I, I, I think that blind vendors are starting to be viewed as a very vital and essential part of the industry. Um, I don't think we're a mystery like we were, and I don't think it's a novelty to see a blind person at the show. I think we have become a real, a real regular. So you were, you were in Atlanta, um, you know, the first time the show has been in Atlanta. Uh, what, what, any, what were your highlights for, for the, for the week? Uh, the food, the food and the parties, the friends. I mean, there were a couple, first of all, keeping up with Nikki's the, probably the hardest thing a person can try to do at one of these shows. Yeah. If good you, luck with that. Yeah. And, 
probably one of the highlights to me was watching you run onto the field at Mercedes-Benz Stadium as leading, <laughs> like you were leading the 2023 20, national champion volunteers out of the tunnel. So that, I don't know. That was fun. Yeah, I mean, for, we no, we we got to explain that. I mean, they had a they had an after party at Mercedes Benz Stadium, and to get onto the field where the party was, you had to go come out the tunnel where the football teams come running out. So I sort of led our team out with my hands up in the air, like I was leading the team out, <laughs> and, and 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 you did get a kick out of that. So it, it was pretty funny. But uh, well, on what a party! I mean, those parties are those parties are interesting too. I mean, it's I mean that that's the reason. People should also go for the hang. I mean, it's you learn a lot and you meet a lot of people and you get to explain what you do and create opportunities and relationships. But at the same time, it's just it's a really good hang. And you get to go see some, you know, see some places and cruise around a city that, you know, I would normally probably think of. Well, we, we try not to advertise the parties much. We want to think it's just drudgery and work all the time. But, uh, <laughs> but, but now, since you since you told on me, I have to tell on you. Um everyone would have gotten a kick out of seeing Mike throw the football. They had a pump pass and kick uh, opportunity. And so uh, um, Mike tried the, um, he he played quarterback and he he made a couple of throws for the target. And his first one was right on line and came up about uh, four or five yards short of the target. And then the second one was not quite as good, but uh, uh, he, 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 he looked the part. Yeah, I was trying to do a little a little uh, run pass option and get a little couple little drop steps in there, but yeah, <laughs> just lucky I didn't trip. My arm actually hurt from two from throwing the ball twice, so that was about <laughs> it. Well, at least you had more nerve than I did. I didn't even try it, so no. But it's great to see everyone. Let's hear. Let's hear from a couple of other vendors who were in attendance. We had uh, Jerry Gann from uh, California there and Michael Talley from Alabama. Let's hear what they thought of NAMA. Now we're going to hear from Jerry Gann. Jerry is a vendor in California. Welcome, Jerry. Thanks, Terry. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. So tell us, how many years of uh, of vending experience do you have? Oh, I am pushing 20 years uh, vending experience. It's crazy. So so, so you're a veteran. So uh, was it, this was your second or third NAMA, I think you told me before? I'm going to go two and a half. New Orleans didn't really count because I was during pandemic. So I'll give you two and a half. Okay, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Two and a half. So this was your, you've been to two and a half NAMAs. Uh, what what was your general impression of this one? It was. It seems like it's getting better every year. Uh, the more things are opening up, people are coming back. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I even brought my daughter this time, uh, her first NAMA show, um, and she was just so impressed with everything. Awesome. So was was there anything special that caught your eye that you saw that you just sort of said, went, wow? Um, I, I came on a mission um, to see, uh, the, of course, the vending machines and things like that. And um, so I saw some new uh, like food machines, uh, for lack of a better word, um, the combo machines, uh, different like uh, takes on like a micro market Um so really on the on the machine part of it, that's kind of what my main focus was on. There were some neat products too, uh, local, uh, how do you say, like um, mom and pop type products, not like the big manufacturers. So there were some pretty interesting ones there too. Yeah, there was a lot of um, a, a lot a lot of interesting equipment, like you're talking about, and, and a lot of the machines 
um, you know, we're, a lot of them are going toward cooking, actually cooking, uh, cooking the product for you in the machine, mm-hmm. which is which is really yep. interesting and opens up a whole lot of possibilities. Yep. So uh, tell me, what what do you see as a benefit for 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 vendors to attend NAMA? We we had a certainly had a great crowd this year, but we had a lot that weren't there. If you were, if if someone asks you, if one of the, if one of your fellow vendors asks you. Uh, the benefits of going to NAMA and being involved in NAMA, what would you, what would you tell them? Oh gosh, there's so many benefits. It's hard to narrow it down to just one. Uh, For me in particular, it's meeting other vendors from different States, Uh, getting their input, their feedback. How does their state work? Uh, You know, networking and stuff like that. Of course, seeing the new products and, you know, there's the old products that we know and love. Um, but it's just getting out there, meeting the people. Because in some of the catalogs that we that you know we go through to order our merchandise, you can't see the product. You can't see what it looks like, the packaging size, how is it, you know, uh, how does it vend? Because I can literally take something from NAMA from one of the booths over to the vending machine that I know I know, you know, we use, put it in there and see if it just how it dispenses. You know, so that that part of it is is super cool as well. Um, but for me in particular, I'm. 100% meeting all the other vendors that, you know, that attend these uh, different shows. And if anybody would like to go to these NAMA shows, I highly encourage it. If you're thinking about it, I think go for it. SLAs were also in attendance and, and, and taking in everything going on at NAMA. Uh, we had uh, Raven Fulham from Tennessee was there. And um, we had Dorothy Young, who's an executive director from Mississippi. Uh, I know I know they got a lot out of it too. Raven, my man from Tennessee. This is not Hello, sir. How you doing? Real good, real good. Good, good. So now NAMA was headquartered in Chicago and the show's been in you're you're from Illinois. So I'm I'm sure this is not your first NAMA show, correct? You're absolutely correct. I have went to NAMA a couple times in Chicago, and this is the first time I've been to it outside of Chicago. A good deal. So what were your general impressions of this show? Um, uh, of course the times before was pre COVID. So I think the show, as far as the, uh, the layout was larger in Chicago than, uh, what I seen in Atlanta. And, uh, there were, I I think in the past, it was more on coffee and tea and water as well as machines and, uh, uh, snacks. It, and it was basically on a larger scale. Um, I think this was somewhat scaled back compared to the last time that I went, which was, you know, like I said, pre-COVID. Um, and uh, the differences I seen was back then there were not as many machines that were focused on one payment system. So I seen several vendors that were there that were peddling machines that had one payment system where one machine was a slave basically to another machine. And, and that was kind of unique. Any, anything else that, that you know, you're, you're, you're the director in Tennessee, for those that don't know, I didn't, I didn't say that. Um, formerly the director in Illinois. Did, was there anything that you saw there that just really got you excited that you that, that, that you came back and you said, you know, we need to think about how we can incorporate that into our business enterprises? Program? I think that there is a um, a place for the the machine that I was just referencing. 
um, the, the, the multiple payment system machines, it seems like they're trying to phase those out by the looks of things. Even USI had a machine there that basically was one payment system where you, you had a snack machine that had a beverage machine that was right next to it. And uh, you would scan your card and, and, and uh, take everything you need. And then it would just come off of uh, your card, but you wouldn't have to go to a beverage machine, use your card and a snack machine and use your card. It was more or less sim similar to a micro market but it was with machines that were a little bit more secure and versus uh, having everything out in the open. So I think that that would um, satisfy some of our blind vendors who think about theft, but still with the um, idea of having a micro market, there was even a machine there that had, that was basically set up like a snack machine that was, uh, had, didn't even have spirals. It just had the products that were stacked in there like a deck of cards. And you would be able to take a package of chips right off the shelf, but it was in a cat. It was in a, in a cabinet. You can take it right off the shelf and it would uh, uh, charge you for taking that product off of that particular shelf. And if you tried to put it on another shelf, it would, uh, basically alarm you to tell you, hey, you need to pull that off of that shelf because it doesn't go there. Um, and it was all through one payment system. You swipe your card and uh, you were able to get a drink from one side and you were able to get a snack from the other. Right. I think I, th I think the self-service industry is really, um, you know, where you can actually touch and feel your stuff is really, 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 really moving. And, and, you know, when you go, when you go to this show, uh, you know, you sort of get a little peek into the future. Um, you know, you sort of, you can sort of see where things are going. Um, wh why do you think that's important for, for our SLAs to sort of be on the cutting edge and know, and know where things are going? Because if you don't, you get lost. Um, what I've seen is, the SLAs sometimes don't go to the shows as well as the blind vendors. And the, both the blind vendors and the SLAs need to participate in these shows just so everybody would know exactly what's out there. And it, as long as we uh, can mend our ideas together and come up with solutions on making sure that we are profitable in the future, um, that is a successful um, I guess, program. And I'm trying to do that here in Tennessee. Uh, went to NAMA. I'm actually going to the uh, upcoming blast in um, um, Des Moines, Iowa. I'm going to take the tour of USI. I'm hope, hope, hopefully I will see some uh, new ideas when it comes to adaptive technology on um, vending machines, because that's something big that I'm looking for right now is what machines out there? Next, we want to welcome Dorothy Young, the Director of Services for the Blind in Mississippi. Uh, Dorothy, Atlanta was pretty close proximity to you, uh, and you really took advantage of it. How many people did you have there? Uh, we brought about mm, eight or nine vendors, uh, and, right. and that's including the SLA staff also. Why did you feel that it was important to take advantage of this opportunity? Well, um, 
to just stay uh, learning in the business industry. Um, this conference um, gives us an opportunity to meet other businesses and get other ideas from those businesses. So we're in Mississippi, we're trying to be innovative with um, NABM. So this was recommended from our blind merchants program. And so we took advantage of it. Dorothy, you were there for the Tuesday afternoon Randolph Shepherd training that NABM did. Uh, uh, we had a really good turnout for that, didn't we? Oh, the Tuesday afternoon session uh, was fabulous. And the reason why, and I will say this, and I said this at the at the uh, conference to Mr. Smith, we were well represented. Any SLA, state licensing agency, or a blind vendor that missed the Tuesday session uh, you really missed a treat uh, because in that session, it was probably well over 100 uh, business uh, blind vendors there from across our great country. Um, and the room kept filling up. I mean, the room kept filling up with folks. So it was well over 100 well attended. Um, so anyone that was not there on Tuesday for that session with Nikki and Terry Smith and the rest of the folks from the National Association of Blind Merchants, you are really missed a treat. Did anything there really excite you? Yes. Um, the first thing is, uh, you know, folks already uh, have heard all over the country that the blind vendors program, we don't have as many vendors as we used to have um, in the program. And we need to increase our numbers. State licensing agencies are putting vendors in our in this uh, Randolph Shepherd program, a business self-employment. I was very excited to see so many uh, blind entrepreneurs there. I mean, that's, and that gives me hope, right? That gives me hope to say, hey, our program, the Red Knife Shepherd program, and all of the work that the state licensing agencies we are doing, um, the blind vendors are doing, it is, uh, you can see the, the work, our work, the product of that work at this conference, because the blind vendors were there, they was well in, engaged with the different exhibitors there, they were engaged with in the learning sessions, um, and the learning sessions kind of hit home, um, Terry, on what NABM and state licensing agencies and blind vendors have been trying to do, and that's grow our relationships. So it gave me hope when I was looking at different vendors from across our great country, um, communicating with different exhibitors, learning, taking notes, uh, um, asking questions about the different micro markets. It, it's, it gave me hope to come back to our state and tell our executive director, Chris Howard, that said, hey, even though um, we may have our struggles here in our state, we are doing a really good job because the blind vendors from across the country was at this, was at this conference. And we was, we was accepted. You know, uh, blind business folks was accepted. They were looking forward to us being. And Terry, I also know that one of our sponsors and the host of uh, Last Field of Dreams, Jim Chico and USI was there. And I know you had a chance to speak with him. Welcome, Jim. How you doing, Terry? I'm doing great, doing great. So uh, I know you're, you were at NAMA. You, you, you were short equipment. You've been to NAMA for many, many years. Uh, uh, do you know how many you've been to? I mean, how, how many? Oh, my gosh. Well, let's just say it's north. Uh, it's north of 30 years. Oh, my goodness. 30 years. That's, that's I'm an old guy, amazing. Terry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so you got you. You have perspective. What do you think of this year's show? Yeah, you know, I think this year's show was extraordinary um, or exceptional, to say the least. You know, after last year, um, Chicago was kind of that 
you know, it was kind of the return after a couple of years of pandemic. And I think by most accounts, it was it was OK. There was nothing wrong with the show. You know, we always want more in terms of traffic and crowd and buyers. It was an, it was definitely an OK show. Nonetheless, we were encouraged um, that there was some life after the pandemic. So um, Atlanta was awesome. I mean, for basically it checked all the boxes. There was rarely a dull moment uh, in our booth. And, you know, by most sort of measures, we first look at what activity took place in our own booth and rarely a dull moment without customers in the booth looking at new technologies and new solutions we're showing. So yeah, it was just a great show all around, Terry. Yeah, I went by your booth several times and it was packed every time I went by and you, you were gracious enough every time I walked by and you were in a crowd talking to people, you'd step out and and, and at least say hi. And and, and so we, we, you know, we, we, we appreciate that. So uh, absolutely. Why, why is this show important to you? I mean, you're a manufacturer, so you're, you come at a little different angle than we are. Why, why is this an important show for you? Well, I think like everybody who exhibit at NAMA, you know, we do participate in a, in a number of events throughout the year, whether they're local, regional. Sometimes there's other supplier shows, they're distributor shows, they're perhaps direct BEP blast type events and so forth. But NAMA seems to be that sort of marquee show that everybody looks for look forward to who are not just domestic but you got to remember cities like atlanta chicago las vegas draw a pretty significant crowd from overseas as well and so being a global um distributor of our products you know that that's that's also really important to us so yeah i guess it's that sort of one-stop shop opportunity to see the masses of the industry as opposed to some of the other regional events that I talked about. So yeah, that's why that's why the measurement of it kind of is like taking the temperature of what the next year or two um, you know, might look like. So yeah, it was it was just great to be able to touch so many people. We don't have one that's even close. Um, maybe the closest I can think of is is perhaps the uh, uh, the joint event that you do with with uh, with Vistar, the Atlantic City event. That's also an exciting event. But you know, this one just kind of touches all all levels of operator and distributor um, BEP participants. And this year was exceptional in that regard too. There was quite a few uh, blind enterprise operators in our booth throughout the whole show. We were excited for that. Yeah, I know that makes you feel good. See, you, you, there were there were a lot of blind vendors. There were a lot of uh, SLA folks. I, I think this is probably the largest attended um, NAMA uh, from, from the from the Randolph Shepherd's perspective. And I know as a manufacturer that, that that makes you feel good to see those guys stop by. Yeah, and I'm not sure what the final count was. I, I guess I heard it might have been a near record attendance in terms of the whole show. Like I said, I usually don't look much beyond what happened in our booth. Yeah. But- I think for most other exhibitors, I heard very similar. So right. I believe that it was a near record attendance. And if it wasn't, it sure felt like it could have been. So um, you mentioned something that nobody else has mentioned, and that was the international folks that were there. I, I really noticed this time there was a you know a real international flavor and and folks from Israel and France and England and uh, that that were there participating in the show. And for many of them, it was their first show. So, uh, you know, that that's really that that's really a cool thing. Uh, Jim, before we let you go, uh, you mentioned the Atlantic City event with that. We're doing that again, uh, September 27th to the 29th in Atlantic City. So I hope our listeners will make plans to be there. But uh, in just a few weeks, we got an event coming up in Des Moines that you're going to be participating in. You know, give it one last plug. Oh, we're excited. We're looking for it. I think it's been four years 
um, since we last co-hosted the uh, you know blast on blast on the road. This this one called the blast field of dreams appropriately because it's going to be right here in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, yeah, we've got a, as you know a full agenda of training and. Uh, learning experiences, lots of camaraderie opportunities, and, uh, you know, also a little bit of fun and entertainment. So yeah, we're excited to to be a co-host again, bringing it back after, you know, a bit of a, a hiatus. And um, it's sounding like a really good turnout, maybe something near 100 uh, participants from all over the country. So looking forward to it and be happy to uh, report all the results afterwards. That's June 14th through 16th in Des Moines, and it's not too late to, to register for that. So uh, we also heard from Reed Barton with Sodexo, a good friend of the Blind Vendors and, and NABM. And Reed, I'm going to start out by, by thanking you for helping. You are a great help in putting together up our lineup of speakers for the uh, afternoon Randolph Shepard training we did at NAMA on that Tuesday afternoon. Had a great turnout, didn't we? Well, you certainly did. You know, it was, there were over 100 people in the room and, you know, it was really encouraging to me, Terry. And thank you for uh, asking me to participate. Uh, you know, that it's a great value to me. I learn a lot. Uh, I learn about the needs of the the operators. I learn more every time I, I do one of these uh, meetings with you. But more importantly, the energy that in that room from the operators and also the reinforcement to NAMA in general that the, the blind operators were at that meeting in force and, you know, are really looking to expand business opportunities, you know, it was a great message, I think, to the overall show, and the folks at the show, and I had a lot of side conversations with uh, not only suppliers, but uh, operators as well, about uh, the fact that it looks like the, the energy is back into this business, and, you know, certainly the business opportunities that can be fostered together uh, with these blind operators is something that all of us should pay attention to. I think if anything, the numbers prove that the blind vendors are major players in this industry. Would you agree? Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. And, you know, and, and again, I know that you do four or five of these meetings around the country every year, but just, you know, and knowing how important those other meetings are as well, the regional meetings, but having that presence at NAMA really sends a, you know, a clear message to NAMA that uh, uh, they, they want to be involved with Nikki uh, being named to the NAMA board again. I think that is a extremely positive step and can really be supportive of uh, the blind operators uh, efforts in terms of growing the business over time. So we're here to talk about the NAMA and the NAMA show. And I know you've been to, how many shows have you been to, do you think? I, I think uh, I, I counted, I, I've been to 34 now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I missed one year. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, yeah, that dates me a little bit, but yeah, I was I was, I was 11 when I started. No, I, <laughs> okay. I, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I'm certainly, I'm, I'm owning the fact that I'm getting older with it. But yeah, I've been to, uh, you know, I've, I've been going to the show since the 80s. And, and I'll tell you, you know, and I've seen a lot of different, uh, you know, evolutions of the show uh, over time. And, you know, and I've been a big supporter of the current NAMA leadership in terms of what they're doing to evolve the show into much more contemporary for the operators. Um, and, you know, certainly, you know, as we look at uh, this year's uh, attendance, uh, it was around 4,500, which is back to 2019 levels. You know, uh, based on the conversations I was having, I'm on the NAMA Foundation Board, so I was talking to some of the NAMA board members. 15% more operators attended the show versus 2019, so very positive. The number of exhibitors were down slightly, but it's interesting. So 2019, we had about 340 exhibitors. 
2023, we had 320, so 20 down. But uh, there was 20% more floor space allocated to the to um, the you know just you know people that were exhibiting at the conference this year, which was real positive. And really, the reason for less exhibitors is due to consolidation of some of these uh, you know manufacturers. There have been mergers and acquisitions that have kind of driven that. But uh, you know, I, I saw some great presence not only from the you know Pepsi's, Cokes, and folks that you normally see, but I saw for the first time uh, ever in Nestle's history, Nestle had every division of the company, ex you know, basically exhibiting out of one space. And so it's a real step change for them from their Starbucks, you know, food service brand to their, uh, you know, some of their uh, coffee related products that they sell, you know, every day up and down the street to their, their, you know, some of their, their ancillary brands that they sell, including their premium waters. You saw a real effort that the manufacturing community is, is all in on this uh, segment of business and is here to support us. And I really felt that in the way uh, the, the entire show was set up. In addition, we, for the first time, the Sodexo InReach Group had a booth uh, for the first time ever at NAMA. We were, uh, you know, uh, front and center by the, the hair booth, uh, booth. So I got to eat a lot of gummy bears while I was standing there. <laughs> uh, but, but at the end of the day, we were on a recruiting effort, really trying to bring the independent operators uh, more value, kind of like we've done with uh, RSA. Uh, and, you know, Nikki and yourself to bring more value from a purchasing perspective to the blind operators. We're trying to do that across the industry, which is only going to increase our leverage and, and better our programs that we can offer to everybody. You know, one thing I noticed was the, you know, you, you mentioned the, the big boys, the Pepsis, the Cokes, the Hershey, the Nestle's and all those folks. Uh, I, I, it, maybe it's just my imagination, but it seemed like there were a lot more sort of like mom and pop, small startup businesses there, husband and wife business doing, a, I think it was a popcorn business. And yeah. there were several like small family operations like that there that were, you know, exhibiting and, and you know, trying to break into the market. Yeah, no question about that. And we we had a, a conversation with a number of them. There, there's a lot of, you know, in, in a lot of it trends a little bit more towards healthy. And so you saw a lot of you know smaller uh, manufacturers that wanted their presence there. Everbar comes to mind. It's a company that has a clean energy, you know, clean bar, uh, chocolate based, but you know dark chocolate based, very healthy. Uh, you know, iteration of a uh, chocolate bar, great tasting product, but you had a number of those types of suppliers around the floor and they they really felt like they, you know, because I talked to a lot of them personally, they really felt they had made connections with operators and believed that the, it was going to be worthwhile the cost of coming to NAMA, but also it, it gives us a whole new lease on products that we can drive retail pricing with and retail profitability with. And that's what's exciting to me because, you know, and look, I, I spent 28 years of my career with a Coca-Cola company and, you know, loved every minute of it, but th that brand set and that company has become a little stodgy, <laughs> you know, in old school, they're going to have to break out of that a little bit. We need, uh, you know, uh, manufacturers to be kept honest by some of these startups that we, we continue to put the focus on operator profitability and, and make this uh, continue to make this a very viable place for people to come do business. And just as a way of a teaser, Reed will be with us at the Tennessee meeting in September. And I suspect he's going to be with us in Atlantic City, too. Absolutely. And, uh, so D Jones is with us. And D, you're a newbie. This was your first NAMA uh, since joining the NABM team. Uh, what did you think of it and how did it live up to your expectations? I thought it was awesome. I, I had always wanted to go since I started working for RSA back in 
2014 and I heard Nikki talking about NAMA. I just always wanted to go. And so this was really the culmination of a long wait. Uh, yeah, I thought it was great. Anything there excite you? Do you see anything really, really cool? I really liked the um, micro micro market where you entered with your credit card. You just tapped it. You went into the micro micro market, picked up anything you wanted, and when you leave the um, doorway, it charges you for what you picked up and took. I I thought that was incredible. And and that you know, it's funny you'd say that because uh, that was my number one takeaway too. And I think that's you know reasonably priced that Randolph Shepard could really do could do, really do some of that stuff. So yeah, there was a lot of uh, unattended marketing kind of stuff there, and it was it was pretty impressive. And we we also appreciate you being there as a part of our Tuesday training. We had a great turnout, didn't we? We sure did. That was amazing. That room was packed. Y'all are going to have to get a bigger room next year. Yeah, well, Nikki and I were talking about a week before because uh, we we had the room reserved and uh, we everybody I talked to said we'll see you in Atlanta, we'll see you in Atlanta, and I I told Nikki I said I don't know if we're going to have enough chairs for everybody if everybody shows up, and sure enough we're scrambling to add chairs, but that that was great, and next time we will make sure that it's in a bigger room, and uh, I think it's going to be in Dallas next year, so people can plan on going to the Lone Star State next year. So nice. So, yeah, we had, a, a, you know, there, there's just a few of the reactions from people who were in attendance. And I know that a lot of people would like to have shared their thoughts. And, you know, we, we, we had to cut it down a little bit because we had so many. Um, but uh, you, you get a general idea of, 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 of just what a, what a great meeting it was and, 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 and all the things that were there to see. Gary, you know, it's funny. I said, people ask me, so what did you think of NAM? And I said, it was too short and too long. It was a long five days uh, of, of you know, training and, and building relationships and partnerships. And it was also short the time on the f- floor was short. Uh, I think one thing that I'm going to recommend to the board is that maybe we change it Tuesday through Thursday uh, because Friday's you know, a day where people are just um, leaving and, and getting out of town and stuff because it's been a long week. And to get some more hours on the floor, it's just, you know, there's just so many new things to see and when you get appointments and stuff like that. But you know what? It was it was exciting. It was thing you could tell by the people that that we interviewed, uh, the time that they had, what they thought of it. Everything was positive. So I think that uh, it was, all in all, it was it was a great event. Um, started out by our training, finished by NAMA, uh, true partnership, and I think that that was great. And I think it's time that uh, for next month we'll be talking about Blast Field of Dreams, June 14th to the 16th. But I think it was a great time, and we're looking forward to seeing everyone in National Convention also. Nikki, before you before you uh, we we ended here today, I just want to I just want to tell people if you go, ever do have the chance to go to NAMA with Nikki, don't expect to see him except in just flashes, because um, this guy when he, <laughs> he, he he shows up, he disappears. Somebody grabs him, they take him somewhere. He runs to a meeting. He reappears he runs to a meeting and i'll never i'll never forget and uh uh when mike coburn the very first day uh who's the vice president of nabm and he said the first day we get to the show and i said are you going to walk the floor and he says i'm going to uh i want to stick with nikki 
And uh, I said, good luck with that. And it only took him about 45 minutes to realize what I meant by it. I, I, I didn't mean it as a criticism. Uh, it's just, you know, Nikki's a very popular guy when he's, when he's at those shows and uh, uh, they, everybody's pulling him every which way. And he's got a lot, he does lots of meetings and it's actually my, it's, it's three of my favorite days because um, you know, after we do the Randolph Shepard training on, on, on Tuesday afternoon, I can sort of enjoy the, the, the whole event and, and, and not have a whole lot of responsibility, but that's not the case with Nikki. Yeah, it's always funny because I was there with Terry and Melissa and Mike, and the next thing you know, I was gone. And the next thing Terry, I turned around, and I was back again. Terry goes, there you are. And then the next thing you know, 10 minutes later, he said, where'd he go? I could hear him because I was just a few, but he didn't see me, but all of a sudden, there he is again. So, you know, kind of like come and go. But you know what? It, 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 as you said, um, you know, the sponsors that we picked up, the uh, camaraderie that we have. And again, it was a team effort. I mean, Terry never went to a NAMA to a few years ago, but everybody knows him. And, you know, the, the people remember him. People remember Mike Colburn. People scream for Melissa. You know, they're starting to know the other members like Chad and Max and so many of our team that was there. Teresa Taylor from Wisconsin. You know, we found out she's one of the biggest customers of Dr. Pepper Snapple in the Midwest. Um, just things you find out about blind vendors. And, you know, my biggest thing, I, and I guess I'll end it with this, Terry, Biggest takeaway was the great job that blind vendors did in supporting the show and also the professionalism that they showed. And the fact that we're starting to get recognized on a national level is one of my big things that, that I take away from that. And thank you for your effort um, and for getting to know people and building those relationships. So thank you and thank our board and thank all our blind vendors that were there. And again, hope to see them in Iowa, hope to see them in national convention. And of course, the other conferences that will be coming up in Emerging Leaders, Tennessee meeting and blast on the boardwalk and then coffee, tea and water in Indianapolis in November. Terry, have a great summer and I'll see you in a few weeks. See you, Nikki and everybody show up in Des Moines. I love Des Moines and you need to come experience it yourself. Thank you, Josh Harper, for um, being our producer and, and and doing the great job that you always do and for cleaning this up and making us sound like we know halfway what we're doing. See you, everybody. The We Are Randolph Shepherd podcast would like to thank our sponsors, the National Association of Blind Merchants, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Sodexo, You Selected, Southern Food Service, Tyler Technologies, Translucent, and Anderson Food Service. If you would like to support the We Are Randolph Shepherd podcast, we would love to have you on board. Corporate sponsors may contact Nikki Gakos at nikkicolorado.netscape.net. Individuals who would like to support the podcast may do so by donating to the National Association of Blind Merchants at www.blindmerchants.org. We would love to have your support.